And may God add blessing to the reading of Scripture this morning. May the words of my mouth be those words that we each need. The American League playoffs this year were interesting. You didn't have to be much of a baseball fan to really appreciate the drama. The Dodgers were this close to losing the series. After four games, they were down three to one. All the Braves had to do was win one more game and they'd be going to the World Series. All the Dodgers had to do was lose one more and they would be finished for the season. Things did not look good, but somehow, some way, they pulled it out. They won game five, then they won game six, and game seven, and on to the World Series where now they're tied two games each with the Rays. That was a huge victory for the Dodgers. Very seldom, if ever, has that happened before in a seven-game series. This is really the story of humanity, of us on this earth. Even though things sometimes look dark and dismal in this world of human brokenness, ultimately, I promise you, based on what I read in the scriptures and what I understand of our God, that God will prevail. Good will always triumph over evil. Love will always triumph over hate. Peace will triumph over fear and fighting. The tears we shed will turn someday into shouts of joy. When the final chapter of our life on earth is told, it will be a victory. This is what Paul was saying to the Thessalonian church. Remember, this is a letter that Jack read an excerpt from this morning. A letter to a church, a church whom he loved. And he said, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Did you hear that part? Listen carefully. The word of God, which is at work in you who believe. The word of God is at work in the world. The scriptures are full of references to the power of the word of God. Two of the most powerful references that I, I can think of are Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, think of it. God speaks and the world is created. That is power. That's one powerful word, isn't it? Then in John chapter 1, the writer says that the word of God has come into the world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's clear that the word being talked about there is Jesus. Just as important, we have that same word available to us today through the Holy Spirit. The word of God is at work in this world today. This is a sorry world at times. 
Our own nation is in a very sad state of being right now. We're divided terribly. COVID, unrest, violence, political turmoil, on and on. Things aren't good. But if you think this is the worst possible time in history to live, you may not have studied your history. When Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, it was a much more difficult time than ours. The lifespan of the average person was somewhere in the mid to late 30s. The poor people in those days lived in poverty, terrible poverty, a poverty that today we cannot even imagine. All over the world, governments oppressed people. Human slavery was very common. In the next generations, it didn't get better for quite a while. And actually, if you and I were given the choice of living at some other time in history or living now, and we knew all the facts and really fully understood them, we would probably choose to stay right where we are. In spite of the awful things that are going on right now, there are many ways that this is the best time ever to live. Boy, that's a crazy thing to say with what's going on, isn't it? Why do I say this? Well, number one, COVID isn't going to last forever. If it does, we are going to learn to manage it and live with it and get back to some sort of normal. It'll be a different normal, but we'll get, it. We'll get back to that. We'll get through this. It's temporary. And number two, because the Word of God today is at work in our world. It's amazing how us Christians have difficulty accepting that, but it's true. God is at work in this world. Radio preacher George Vandeman once compared the final victory of God, which is coming, with the end of World War II. Quote, it happened in the Philippines. General Douglas MacArthur had decided that in order to gain victory, he must delay direct action. Under cover of darkness, accompanied by just a few close aides, he left. But before he left, he promised his troops, I will return. And the end of that story is one of the most dramatic episodes of World War II. 2,000 prisoners of war were delivered from enemy hands. Two of the prisoners had built a little radio, and they secretly listened to the news every day. And one day on that radio, they heard a familiar voice. It was General MacArthur. And he said, this is General MacArthur. I have returned. What marvelous news. The months had dragged on since he left, into two and a half long years since he left them behind with the promise to return. Now he was returning, and he wasn't just returning. He was returning with a thunder of guns, with an armada of ships, and with an air force such as had never been seen before in the Pacific. And in the meantime, as the news filtered through the camp, the enemy, sensing that they were doomed, they were in big trouble, MacArthur was coming, had decided that the prisoners must die. And so among these prisoners was one man who had been asked to serve as the camp official, sort of in charge of all the prisoners.
prisoners, the other prisoners. And one evening, the guard came to him and informed him at 7 o'clock the next morning, he was to call all the prisoners together in the yard. Could this be the time, he wondered, when they would be told that their death sentence was at hand? He says, frightful were those hours as the camp official watched the hands of the clock moving toward that decisive moment. Then he went out with the bell ringer to the camp to call them all together. The steel bar was raised, ready to strike the gong, and suddenly the two of them both looked up. And in unison, they exclaimed, look, planes. The bell ringer, with his hands still in the air, watched in breathless anticipation. Nearer and nearer they came. The planes roared overhead. Paratroopers leaped out of those planes and into the prison yards. Deliverance at last. End quote. The scriptures are adamant at this one point. History is moving toward one goal. Nothing has changed. God's victory over sin and death and pain and sickness and oppression and sadness is still at work. He's still at work in this world, and that victory is coming. Now how, you ask, is God working? One way that God works is through you, through me, through people of faith. I say one way because God works through many ways. God works through people that you might perceive as enemies of God, but he uses them too. So we can't limit God. The scriptures tell us he even uses his enemies to carry out his plan. God uses doctors to find cures, scientists. God uses people of many, many different professions to make things better for this human race. He uses people to create wonders of communication, wonders of transportation, wonders of technology. But we limit God if we say that he only works through us, through believers. Sometimes God works, I think, in spite of us. But the most powerful way that God works is through the community of faith, the church, what the Bible calls the body of Christ, followers of Christ. We've made many mistakes over the years and over the generations. Sometimes we've been used by people with bad intentions. At times, the church has made mistakes. But still, the world has been made a much better and a much more civilized place because there once lived a man named Jesus, the man who we follow today. It's like the old story of a college professor who went to visit the Fiji Islands. He was an agnostic, wasn't sure if there was really a God or not, didn't really care. And he said to an elderly chief there in the Fiji, you're a great leader, but it's a shame that those Christian people have, you've been taken in by them. I don't know how you can believe that Bible nonsense. Nobody believes that anymore. People are tired of the story of Christ dying on the cross. They know better. I'm sorry you've been so foolish to accept their story. And the old chief's eyes flashed. And he said to him, you see that big rock over there? 
On that rock, we used to smash the heads of people like you. And then you see the furnace next to it. In that furnace, we used to roast their bodies because they were our enemies. If it hadn't been for those Christians, those missionaries, and the love of Jesus that changed us, and the fact that we are Christians now, you, sir, would never leave this place alive. You'd better thank the Lord for the gospel. Otherwise, we'd already be feasting on you. If it weren't for the Bible, you would now be our supper. The Word of God is at work in our world. And one way it's working is through the church. We are God's church change agents. We are entrusted with the good news of unconditional love never-ending grace and peace that is coming. We get to show God's love to our neighbors in a powerful way so that the kingdoms of this world are brought closer to the kingdom of God. And so we teach our Sunday school classes. We carry out our mission projects. We give to the food pantry. We feed the hungry at Pad's shelter. We provide clothing for those who need it. We do whatever we can to help out in whatever way we can, and we keep the wheels of our church turning, not out of pride, not out of tradition, but out of the assurance that we are involved in something that's greater than ourselves. God is at work in the world, and one of the main ways that he works is through Christ's body, the church. And that means that there's something for every one of us to do. I don't think I have to convince most of you that God is at work in the world. I don't even probably have to convince you that God is at work in the church and in this church. But what many times we forget is this truth. This means that each of us has a ministry in this world, in this place where we live, in this community. Let's ask ourselves, how is God at work through me? Think of it this way. If the ultimate victory of God in this world depended on my service to tip the balance between good and evil, would my contribution make the difference? Pretty heavy stuff, right? It's not really. There are many ways that the scale toward good can be tipped. I believe we're part of God's victory when we're the very best parents that we can be. I believe when our kids and our grandkids see the quality of our lives and the strength of our faith and the commitment to our God and to other people and to our church, they carry on that work after we're gone and they share love in the next generation. That's all tipping the scales the good side. When our neighbors see us serving God and they hear how naturally we talk about our faith. And I'm going to pause just for a second here and I'm going to toot my wife's horn. I'm always amazed and impressed at her ability to speak very naturally about her faith. She will share it with anyone at any time without thinking. It just flows from her, and it's a beautiful thing. 
And I've, I've witnessed that with other people, some of the people of this church as well. But she'll just start talking about her church or she'll start talking about something that happened in our lives that, that, that we know that it was because of God. That kind of thing. Those kind of things, those conversations, they tip the scales to the good. When we contribute to God's service in this church or, or any church or any charitable organization where people are being helped, when we give gifts of money, gifts of our time, then we are part of that victory and that tipping of the scale. You see, each of us has many ways in which we can be a part of God's victory. The only person who is missing out is the person who does nothing. There was an interesting story years back, and I think it makes a great point. It was about a nine-year-old girl who won a Easy Bake Oven bake-off in New York. It's not easy to bake a prize-winning cake in a toy oven that's just heated by a light bulb, but Lindsay Thompson, little Lindsay Thompson, nine years old, of Little Rock, Arkansas, showed that it could be done. She won the Baker of the Year contest that was sponsored by Easy Bake Oven that year. That's the children's toy that bakes little cakes by the heat of a 100-watt light bulb inside a metal reflective oven. Most of you, I'm sure, have seen one. She took the prize with her toffee trifle cake, which was made from Easy Bake cake mix, instant vanilla pudding, and lots of chocolate and toffee. Sounds good, doesn't it? Like the other entries, the prize-winning cake was baked in a pink, purple, and white toy oven using little pink and purple plastic utensils and cake pans no bigger than coasters. And Lindsay earned herself a $5,000 savings bond and a two-year supply of easy-bake cake mixes for all her work. She said she learned to bake when she was four years old. And then this quote. What I like about it most is when you get to taste the ending. Yeah, that's the best part, isn't it? When you cook some good food. Jack and I, I don't know when that was, last year, year before, I guess, right here in the church kitchen, we got a, we got a recipe for Arizona sunshine lemon pie from our friends Ed and Shirley Lopeman in Arizona. They sent us fresh lemons from Arizona, and we made a pie downstairs in the, in the kitchen. And it was fun making the pie. We had, we had a good time. We laughed and joked and enjoyed it every step of the way. But I got to tell you, I don't know about you, Jack, but my favorite part was when we ate that pie. Yeah. That was the best part, tasting the ending. Yeah. That's what the Dodgers and the Rays are doing right now. They're tasting that ending. They know it's coming. They want to be the ones to win. And that's what you and I can do as we think about the direction that God is taking us and taking our church and taking our world. We can taste the ending. Pain and suffering will be no more. War and hatred will be no more. And that humble carpenter of Nazareth, Jesus, the head of this church, will bring his kingdom of love and compassion to rule over the whole world. Can't you see it? Can't you taste the ending? What a glorious ending it's going to be. 
really not an ending, really a new beginning. It's going to be glorious and wonderful. And all we have to do for now is continue to serve and to believe that that victory is coming one day. Amen.